1: We
0: don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is is the life. It still gives us
2: the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God.
1: Good morning. This is Father Richard Kuntz, along with Cindy Jennings, coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, at the St. James campus of Maris Academy. Good morning, Cindy.
2: Good morning, Father.
1: Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, on this feast of the presentation of our Lord in the temple, we pray that we may always perceive God in the little things, and that he may be ever abundant in his presence in our lives, and that we may perceive that and live accordingly. We ask that you may bless the guests that we have on the show this uh, morning, as well as the listeners. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And Groundhog's Day. Did, did, the, did Is the, that uh, today? It is. It's the second oh, of February. Really? Did the did the um, uh, what is it? The Ooh. groundhog. Did the groundhog see its shadow? It did. Yes. So what Ooh. does that mean? Six more weeks of winter. Well, we can wow. handle that. We get that anyway. We are in Duluth after all. So it's like six well six weeks of winter that goes winter always goes until like May around here anyhow at least in Duluth it does. Well, and I think for
2: us up here we would like in Minnesota we'd like to get more snow because it just hasn't really been. Well, you can speak for yourself.
1: There's plenty of snow as far as I'm concerned. We want to enjoy
2: ourselves outside.
1: I was done with winter on December 26th. It can go at any point as far as I'm concerned.
2: I'm surprised you still live here.
1: I also do not believe that the groundhog really knows what the heck it's doing. I don't think so either. All right, so um, uh, we got a good show ahead of us, and we've already got our first guest on the line, Father Joel Hastings, who is right here from the Diocese of Duluth. Although he's afraid to come in studio, he's on the phone. He just lives right in, here in town. Not that he's really afraid, but he Father Hastings is actually the Diocesan Liturgist for Duluth, Minnesota. And uh, welcome, Father Joel. Thank you. How's it going? Here. Good. How are you doing? Good. Did you do anything special for Candlemas Day today?
0: Um. Actually, not yet. I'm having a additional Mass this evening, the Latin Extraordinary Form Mass, oh, cool. and I'll do the candle blessing at that.
1: Oh, great. Have you promoted that in the parish a lot? Do you think you'll get a lot of response from that?
0: It was a little bit spur of the moment, I have to admit. I, I just made the decision a week ago today to do this, because people had been asking about blessing of candles, and I thought, well, I'd like to do it when more people could come. So mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock here, I just had a more simple daily-esque kind of mass, and we'll right. do it up tonight.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Uh, well, we're here to talk to you about um, uh, about Ash Wednesday yes, and how yeah. it's different. So go ahead, Cindy.
2: Uh, Father Joel, how will Ash Wednesday look different this year, well, this whole COVID thing?
1: to some extent, it won't look
0: all that different if we think of the big picture here in terms of the you know practices of the, the church going back to some centuries, let's just put it that way, but also in terms of what some other cultures do. It will be a little bit different for us, however, here in America and in some of the Western countries, because the Holy See, back on January 12th, issued a instruction from the Congregation for Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments, basically asking that with the COVID uh, pandemic and just keeping safety protocols and the like— that rather than marking people on their foreheads with ashes, we would use a custom that's actually still very much prevalent in places in Europe, for example, of actually sprinkling ashes on people's heads without coming into contact with them. Um, The one thing that will be different everywhere will be the fact that they've instructed us, rather than announcing over every person remember you are dust and to dust you shall return that we would say that formula once and then go about distributing ashes in silence to any who come forward so that part will be a little bit different um but otherwise i i would say it's just an opportunity for us to perhaps be part of something that's been in the church's practice and tradition for a long time and um you know, kind of see it for more than just a COVID-19 protocol or restriction or adjustment, but as as something that truly has always been legitimate.
1: So, Father Hastings, I'm a I am a huge history buff, huge history fan, church history. Uh, is this something, is this practice that the Holy See is advising us to do now? Is this actually older than what we do in the city? Is that more of the ancient form of distribution of ashes?
0: Yeah, something that I've, and and I have to admit, I'm, appealing to the online Catholic Encyclopedia for some of the information today. This is was um, Wikipedia, wasn't
1: it? You went to Wikipedia this morning, I bet.
0: No, not Wikipedia, thankfully. <laughs> okay. it was uh, All right. you know, I, I, I prefer the newadvent.org Catholic Encyclopedia, so that's where I tend to go when I want to kind of fill out some information. And in there, it, it speaks of how, you know, from the earliest centuries, it, somewhat in imitation of the people of Israel and their sense of repentance and sprinkling ashes on themselves as a sign of penitence, you know, this is how it entered into the the life of Christians, is kind of following from that same mentality of penitence and as an expression of repentance, repentance, um, there is also, it's kind of interesting, there's one little paragraph here that also refers to how, um, and I'm not real familiar on the, the, the Jewish rites per se, but it does reference like the, the Book of Numbers, chapter 19, and the rite of the red heifer, and a sense of the ashes also being to the degree of, of purification. Um, and the, the sprinkling of the ashes that were mixed with water as part of that, that right to purify the unclean. But it seems more likely that it has more to do with penitence than it would with purification. Mm-hmm. So that having been said, it, it ha- does have some roots in the early Church history. Um, it, there's accounts of, for example, St. Cyprian and other early Church fathers referring to you know, people putting on the sackcloth and sprinkling the ashes on their heads um, as, again, signs of penitence.
1: So now, what, you know, here's a question. It's like, what if you have a, a pastor, and I don't know what this is, a, you know, I mean, you can clarify this why we have you on the area this morning. It's like, what if a pastor says somewhere, anywhere, says, you know what, I just want to keep doing it the the normal way that we've always done it. I mean, does, does a pastor have that right, or is this authoritative? Is this like a real authoritative statement from the Holy See on this?
0: My, my sense is that the, the Holy See has, has issued this, again, because of the nature of the pandemic, that this is what ought to be done. Um, admitting I would have to look at the statement again um, in its direct wordage, but I I do get the sense that this is more of a, uh, because of the, the pandemic, we need to do it this way. And accordingly, would someone be totally out of league to to still sign people on their foreheads with ashes, I, I don't think we're talking about something that would be, you know, a, a total breach of protocol or of uh, kind of keeping with what's been asked of them to the effect of, you know, let's say if they, you know, totally, like, threw out the Eucharistic prayers from Mass and wrote their own or something like right,
1: that. Right, of course. Um,
0: but I, I think it would be prudent for us to, to follow, us. again, because the Holy See and the congregation in particular, you know, did put this out for the universal church that there should be a, a sense of following what has been asked of us.
2: What do you think about putting, since there won't be ashes on the forehead, and for everybody who, who does this every year, we go out, you know, and we're showing that we are sinners, should we be... Putting a cross on our head with like a marker, or just like just to show that we're still here, we're still present. Because I feel like it kind of hides us away.
1: Cindy, I will put the marker mark on your you forehead will? with you a promise? permanent marker. If you want me to, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Father Hastings, you can address that if you want.
0: Yeah, it's 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 an interesting uh, thought because yes, while we do want to testify, I've for many years, quite honestly, have found it somewhat problematic, that here we just read this passage in the Gospel according to Matthew um, from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus speaks to, when when you fast, do not look as though you're fasting, but comb your hair and wash your face, etc. And, you know, the fact that that's the Gospel for Ash Wednesday, and then here we're signing people with ashes as though it's something to show off. has always been a little bit something that I've had a hard time reconciling to the point where often where I, I preach on Ash Wednesday that, you know, if we're coming for the ashes, hopefully it's from that sense of penitence, because in truth, the ashes are uh, I've even gone to the level of saying it's blessed filth <laughs> compared mm-hmm. to the sacrament of the Eucharist, that hopefully we are of right state of life and in a state of grace to be able to partake of that day which is infinitely greater than anything the ashes can accomplish for us
2: yes and i know for for me it it is something that i was pretty embarrassed for many years like i just didn't want to walk around in public and i'd go to a late mass so i wouldn't have to have ashes on uh but i think just knowing why you're wearing them and and exactly you need to know the right way to feel about it not bragging or pride but basically, yes, I'm a sinner.
1: One of the, one of the things that, um, I remember my spiritual director talking about this years ago that he said, he said, you know, we live in a time that needs witness, you know, and where, where Jesus was truly in a, in a truly in, you know, entrenched theological culture where people were getting, were, you know, were looked upon more highly because they were more religious. That's just the opposite now, you know? And so it's like, the idea of people being afraid to illustrate their faith out in public. You know, I I can see where, Father Hastings, you're saying that there's, there seems to be this tension between the gospel and our reality now, but I'd always challenge people. It's like, okay, when you leave, don't wipe your ashes off. You know, We have to be a witness out there because our culture is so secularized.
0: Sure. And, and I guess one of the things, too, because we're, we are in the realm of sacramentals here, and what are sacramentals all about? They're about helping us to be rightly disposed to receive the graces of the sacraments. And so, there's more of a personal, in, interior uh, element to these things, as opposed to you know the the grace of the sacraments, which is more public, which is more exterior. And so, you know, certainly I I agree in in whole heart with your sense of yeah, we do need to testify but also just helping people to realize that, especially this year, where that visible sign isn't going to be as obvious. So it doesn't mean it won't be still perceivable to some, because especially, you know, let's say people with fairer uh, complexion or lighter hair, you know, you might see the ashes still kind of on top of their head.
1: We'll be able Um, to see them on you, Father Joel.
0: Well... I don't, I don't know. Maybe they'll blend in with my stubble there on the top of my head. But, you
1: know. But, you know, um, the, thi- the, the thing is that I think to, to your point, you know, um, uh, about, you know, that, that tension between the gospel and what we do, I think it does certainly apply when people talk about what they, quote-unquote, gave up for Lent. Keep that to yourself. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think? I mean, I don't know. It seems to be more applicable to that to that circumstance.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree because that's, that's a example of and from the same gospel passage though in reference to almsgiving you know don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing kind of a thing
2: do you so, think you could have like a phone a friend just have one person on reserve you can complain to
1: <laughs> what do you mean
2: i don't know sometimes it's just like ah. but like you know if you have a mentor or some, you know well, you, you know
1: mean, you mean like walking through your lenten journey type yes, of thing. yes
2: yeah. because sometimes yeah it's nice to complain. What, yeah. um, uh, Go ahead, Father.
0: I was just going to say that speaks to an important point of, of the, the nature of community, too. You know, the fact is that any kind of spiritual discipline is done in union with the whole church. At least that's, you know, kind of the, I would say, the higher form of it. And Thus our solidarity with one another and having that sense of mutual the support of one another i think yeah that's a good point
1: i like that yeah we've been uh, talking to father joel hastings we're talking about ash wednesday in particular how it's going to look different this year and uh just lent in general we'll be talking a more with him after this quick break
0: stay with us there's more real presence live to come on the real presence radio network
3: In today's world, we are enslaved to addiction. I'm Father Chris Alar. Alcoholism, pornography, and drug abuse have become the master of millions of lives, maybe even your own. Addiction has led to countless deaths by overdose and suicide. So what can be done about it? Victims often explain they are searching to escape the troubles of this world, or they are trying to find a form of ecstasy. Unfortunately, these enslavers provide neither. The experience is only pseudo, a fleeting imitation of an authentic spiritual experience. There's only one true spiritual experience that can provide fulfillment, and when you find it, you will find hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost, and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help.
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our
1: local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning. This is Father Richard Kuntz along with Cindy Jennings coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. And we've been talking with Father Joel Hastings, the liturgist of the, liturgist of the Diocese of Duluth, about Ash Wednesday and Lent.
2: Yes, Father Joel Hastings. I'm wondering, and I don't know who goes to Rome the most. You or Father Rich, we can have that debate later. But what, how do other people celebrate Ash Wednesday in different cultures?
0: I think, liturgically speaking, it's in essence, you know, the, we do have the, the universal rite of, of how the ashes are blessed and, you know, imposed during Mass or, for that matter, they can be during the uh, just a service with just the liturgy of the Word, the scriptures from the Mass of the day. Or, you know, I want to also, you know, give right uh, attention to the fact that with the traditional Latin Mass being offered in many places nowadays and the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite, as Pope Benedict uh, dubbed it for us, in in that form of the Rite, it actually happens before Mass and outside of Mass, you know, the the giving of ashes will then lead right into the mass, but it has been it's separated where now it's been incorporated into the mass. So you have these you know the, the ritual of the church itself. But then when it comes to as mentioned in the first segment there, there are some places that still to this day are utilizing this way of sprinkling of the ashes on the head of the person rather than marking them you know, say on their forehead with a, a cross, and I find it interesting that you know this marking of the forehead with the cross is something that it's started more in Northern Europe. Um, some of the sources I looked at refer to kind of the places along the Rhine River, so you know modern-day Germany, the the Netherlands, et cetera. Um, these being more of the the beginnings of this. And then, you know, it kind of, of course, our country being so new relative to the history of the Church, you know, being implemented here, but like in Italy, for example, they still, you don't see anyone really walking around on Ash Wednesday with the cross on their forehead, because they're used to having it right on the top of their head, as we will be asked to do for this year. So there are these kinds of differences, and, and I think the, the nature of, of the penance I guess I I don't know for sure if, say, other cultures have quite the emphasis on what have you given up for Lent that we in America have tended to adapt, for example. That doesn't mean they're not doing penance, but perhaps it's a little bit less uh, explicit in some of these other cultures versus how we do it here.
1: You know, I know that historically, it's really developed as a season, as you know. I think all of our seasons have over time. Uh, the little kids in Selmar School, when I talk to them, I always say, you know, that uh, this year Ash Wednesday is going to be on Wednesday this year, and like I talk to them, like it's like they're shocked by it. It's like, oh, it's going to be on Wednesday this year, and so why Ash Wednesday? Why? You know, I mean, well, how is how has it developed over the years as far as like like length of time as a season prior to to Easter?
0: Yeah, and and the whole history of Lent, of course, if we wanted to kind of go even broader, we want to remember that, you know, the Church sees the Easter vigil as the time to bring new catechumens, those who are yet to be baptized, into the fullness of the life of the Church. And so Lent developed as kind of the preparatory weeks for those who were soon to be baptized. But in due time, the Church basically embraced it not just for them any longer, but for all of us as, you know, fitting preparation, renewal every year. And, you know, the length of Lent has been subject to change. I mean, there's nowadays um, we're, we're used to the, the 40 days, even though once you subtract the Sundays, you know, we have 40 days. But otherwise, if you were to count from Ash Wednesday, it'd be more like forty six. Um, but 40 counting back without these days that are seen as feast days and days that aren't meant for penance, which, you know, truth is every Sunday is meant to be a a mini Easter. And so we, you know, don't do penance on Sundays. We have the 40 days that count us back to Ash Wednesday. But even then, there's long history that there were weeks beyond just. Ash Wednesday. Um, In fact, to this day, and again, kind of referencing this extraordinary form calendar, um, this last Sunday was the Septuagesima Sunday, or 70 days, which is an approximation, of course. It wasn't exactly Mm -hmm. 70 days. But now this coming Sunday will be Sexagesima Sunday, or 60 days before. And then we have. Quinquagesima Sunday, which is the Sunday right before Ash Wednesday, or 50 days, which in that case is an actual 50 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have these pre-Lenten weeks that, until 1970, were still honored. Are they the fullness of the Lenten disciplines? No, but they are, in a sense, a entering into the, the disciplines of Lent in a more gradual way. And that's already seen in the, the liturgy there, because... One of the things that has already happened has been the what they call the burying of the Alleluia, and so there won't be any more Alleluia's in the uh, traditional Latin Mass until Easter comes
1: at, from well, this point. And I think that I think that, that actually helps maybe the faithful realize all these extra Sundays, as you've been naming them in their Latin form, that Easter is the centerpiece of our entire year liturgically. So it's not just Lent, it's like all year we get ready for, for Easter. But here's here's a question I have for you, Father Hastings, and I'm, and you know Father Ryan Moravitz has had been my uh, co-host here on Real Presence Live for a number of years, and we always had this ongoing debate. And we always even brought it up with our guests, and this would be a good one for you: is the idea which you've already addressed about um, Sundays, and if you have a, a discipline of giving something up on Sunday uh, or on during Lent, do you do you alleviate that on Sunday because of what you said? And, my, and so Father Ryan would always say, yeah, I mean, if I gave up chocolate, I'm going to eat chocolate on Sunday. And I would always say, well, I don't think that Jesus, you know, went to the Holiday Inn on Sundays during the time he was in the desert. And so it's like, which which side do you fall on in regards to that?
0: I tend to be more of the, of the uh, your side of it, I would have to say, with, with this kind of understanding, is that what's the point of these penances? Well, yes, there is a sense of you know, embracing suffering and so forth. But the, the bigger thing is freedom. And we want to be opening ourselves so that Jesus Christ can be everything in our life. And what we give up in Lent is hopefully something of the nature that we want to give this up because we want to be freer to be able to live in union with Jesus. And accordingly, if, if every Sunday comes, and we say, oh, today's my respite, and then we go and gorge ourselves. we're still not really free. Mm. We're still enslaved by whatever it is, creature that we have given up, whether it be some kind of food or some kind of activity or what have you, where, you know, hopefully, as we do this, we're growing towards that deeper inner freedom where, you know, I guess I don't really have any need for chocolate any longer, let's say. Not where we're totally casting it out, but to the point where we're not so focused on it that we say, well, I need my chocolate fix. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a true kind of, you know, blessing when we are able to partake. And it's it's seen always in right order, where we don't need it, but we, we partake of it because it's, it's a fruit of creation, let's say. It's a, a blessing that the Lord allows us to have. And so I think, truth be told, I would probably be coming more from your point of view but with that kind of a, a mentality behind it
1: no i think that's excellent i, I mean you no know, we'd always ask the guests even bishops and stuff and never once did somebody go on father ryan's side they'd always kind of agree but i like how you articulated it yeah that idea of that freedom that's what you know what are we doing and the, the other thing that maybe you can address on is that and i often say this towards the end of lent i i say that uh, lent is not meant to be a time of temporary improvement. And so, uh, I mean, how would we look at Lent and our maybe our Lenten disciplines in regards to maybe extending even beyond Lent?
0: Yeah, I, I would say kind of from that same point of view here of, you know, if we are giving something up so as to allow Jesus to become more and truly to be freer to live in Christ, hopefully when Easter comes, our first thought isn't going to be, I need to go back to what I mm. gave up now and and make up for lost time, but it's going to be, wow, this is beautiful how the Lord has drawn me closer to Himself, and and there again, that doesn't mean we can't ever again partake of that which we gave up, but hopefully we will partake of it with a interior sense that it's, it's a blessing, something to give thanks for, as opposed to something that we quote unquote need or, you know, can't live without. And so, yeah, and then thus continuing from Easter and, and being able to say, well, yeah, maybe I will you know, partake of this or that or the other thing, whatever it is we gave up once in a while, but I'm going to try to keep it going. I'm going to try to mm-hmm. not just give into it just because I'm having a bad day, let's say, or because I want to avoid doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now,
2: <laughs> which and is I'm so wondering... often
0: where these things come from.
2: Yes, and I'm wondering, like even now with the lockdowns, should we maybe try to add something instead of take something away? It feels like we've been locked down so long that we're even kind of giving up on things we love to do. So maybe adding something to Lent that's extra, just because like spiritual, of spiritual, you mean, or something? spiritually, or what you know, whatever. I feel like some people are kind of in a depression and they kind of stop doing things that they even enjoy doing. So maybe adding something to get their spirits up, you know?
1: Well, I mean, is I mean. Is there some way that we can, in in the last minute we have, Father? Is there some way we can look at Lent in the through the lens of COVID and how things have been going, like what Linda, like like, like Cindy saying?
0: Yeah, and and I have to admit that this question kind of draws me back to something I wrote here a week ago for the Knights of Columbus Council in the parish for their monthly newsletter, where I was trying to encourage them, you know, not to focus on the things that we can't do, you know, because there's not going to be any fish fries and these kinds of things while we're still under the restrictions, but to focus on, okay, well, what can we do? Well, we can still reach out to our neighbor in need. Um, we can still, you know, check in with people, you know, even if it it has to be remotely by phone or how, you know, whatever technology we utilize for that, just, using this moment as how can we build relationships let's say as opposed to just focusing on the denial
1: thank you very father father hastings thank you very much he's been giving some good ideas and good thoughts regards to ash wednesday and lent coming up and we'll have a little bit of straight talk right after this break live
0: engaging and local this is real presence live